I was talking to a pastor on Friday and um, I said, he asked me, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm actually just wrapping up my sermon for Sunday. And he said, oh, wow, I haven't even started. And uh, I said, I like to do my messages on a Thursday or a Friday so I can then meditate on it and work over it and things like that. And he said, what are you preaching about? I said, I'm preaching about this message. My workplace is his workspace. And this pastor has been in ministry for probably 20 years, a young guy. And he said, Pastor Mark, what do you mean by that? I said, well, my workplace where I go to work is his workspace where he works on me. And I said, this revelation came to me probably 15 years ago when I was going to work and I was complaining at work. I was grumbling at work. I was frustrated at work. I was frustrated with my boss. I was frustrated and God downloaded this revelation just for me. Who knows that what we preach from the pulpit has been already preached to the preacher. And God said, don't you realize that your workplace is my workspace? Don't you realize, Mark, that out of 24 hours a day, you sleep eight hours. I can't work on you while you're sleeping. You go to work for eight to 10 hours a day. That's where I work on you. When you come home, you watch a bit of TV. You have a couple of hours TV, and then you have some fellowship. Then you go back to bed. So the only place I can work on you while you're awake and active is your workplace. And Mark, by the way, I know exactly who you need to be beside you to reveal what's inside of you. I know exactly who I want to have beside you to reveal what's inside of you. And he began to talk to me about my workplace is his work space. It became the most releasing revelation in my life because I then began to have a deeper appreciation for my workplace. I began to have a deeper revelation and a respect for the people that I worked with, even the ones that were grumpy and lumpy, even the ones that were a pain in the neck. I said, thank you, Jesus. They're exposing something inside of me. It became the most releasing thing to me that when I saw my workplace through his eyes, I had an appreciation. Was it easy? No. Was it? Yes. Was it frustrating? You better believe it. And so out of this download, I, I, I don't know why I haven't preached. And I was telling this young preacher and he said, give me some of the points you preach. He said, Mark, I have never preached a sermon on that in 20 years. I said, nor have I. But today I am. And I'm starting a series. And over the next four times I get to preach over the next eight weeks, I'm going to be unpacking this series, My Workplace, His Workspace. How do you position yourself for a promotion? How do you deal in the environment of commotion? I'm going to walk all through these because remember our first pre, pre, uh, pre, uh, point this year was this time next year, God is wanting us to position ourselves for this time next year and your workplace will help you do that. So if you've got your notes, first thing I want to go through 
A recent study revealed that about two-thirds of people would change their current job if they could. You don't have to say amen, <clears throat> Michelle, Belinda, or Izzy. <clears throat> have you ever heard the comment, I'm too stressed, I'm not satisfied, I'm not fulfilled, I don't think I'm in the right job, I can't stand my work colleagues, don't go looking. Today I'm launching this new series. It's in fact called My Workplace is Workspace. If you live to say 75 years young, you'll have lived 655,000 hours, and of that large amount, 250,000 hours will be spent at work, nearly a third of your time. This is where God works on you. Work defines our lives. It describes our lives. It at times can dominate our lives. And many years ago, God dropped this statement into my spirit. Mark, where you work, I am at work. Your workspace is my work. Your workplace is my workspace. We're going to look at the series coming up. What do you do when you have an incredibly bad boss? What do I do when my workplace is like a war zone? How do I get a promotion at work? What is my best job for me? What is the best job for me? This is what I want to delve into, and I pray that it will be a revelation to you. To kick off the series, I want to look at the first basic fundamental question, and it's this. Pastor Mark, why do we work at all? What's the purpose of work? Solomon asked this himself years, thousands of years ago in Ecclesiastes 3.9. He said, what do people really get for all their hard work? What do they benefit? What's the payout? What's the purpose of all hard work? And many people will shout out, it was sin. When sin came into the world, Pastor Mark, we had to go to work. No, the Bible declares in Genesis 2.15, God put the man in the Garden of Eden to work for it and care for it even before sin came. Even in paradise, work was a part of God's plan. So we cannot say sin is the cause of hard work. The Bible even goes on to say that God himself works. Jesus said it like this. My father is always at his work and I too am working. God is constantly working. So it's not a sin. It's not cause sins to cause us to work. In fact, the reason we work is because we are made in the image of God. Now, I hate to burst some people's bubbles this morning but we are actually going to keep working in heaven. Oh. You've got to be kidding me, Pastor Mark. Don't we even get a break there? No, you're going to be working. But can I encourage you? There'll be no bad bosses in heaven. There'll be no gossip. There'll be no inner office politics. It'll be a nice place to work in heaven. Amen. The Bible provides for us six purposes of working, six benefits. Write this down, the number one. I must work, number one, to meet my needs, making room for necessity. Making room for necessity. I'm not going to spend a lot on this one because it's fairly self-explanatory. If I don't work, I don't eat. We used to sing a song years ago. I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go. I go to work to pay my mortgage Pay fuel, registration, school fees, medical college, on and on it goes. If I don't work, I don't eat. It's as simple as that. 
Proverbs 12, 11 says in the message, the one who stays on the job has food on the table. I work to stay alive. I work out of necessity. And as a husband and a father, I'm responsible to be at work. The Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow, strong words. And God says, providing for my family is my spiritual responsibility. And so the first reason I go to work and the first reason I need to work is to meet my needs, the power of necessity. Proverbs 13.4 says, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who want work hard will prosper and be satisfied. You will prosper. You will do well. Job was prosperous. Abraham was prosperous. David, Solomon, Moses, Lydia, they all went on. And Jesus himself even praised business people for using their business skills to make a profit. He said, he commended two people. He said, listen, well done, good and faithful servants. You've multiplied what was put in your hand. So the first purpose is necessity. The second one is I must be at work to reveal my ID, making room for my identity. <laughs> at work, I discover who I am. At work, I discover hidden things I didn't even know about myself. And as I look back over my job after I got out of the police force, I went into sales and then I went into, I set up a little computer shop. And while I was working at a computer shop selling computers, I found out some people couldn't buy the big computers because they didn't have enough money. And then they said, do you have a floor plan? I said, what's a floor plan? They said, finance. I said, I'll find out about it. I discovered someone called AGC Finance, Custom Credit, Sander Lease. I worked out, became an approved a financial person on the floor, began to provide finance. I didn't know I had finance in me. I started to lend them money. So someone come in looking for a computer. I bought them the computer. I said, by the way, that's only $2,000. You have a $5,000 limit. Do you want to buy a trumpet with that? Oh, I may as well. Do you want to buy something else? You may as well. I became very good. I wasn't selling computers. I was selling finance. My business grew so much, I got out of computers. I became a finance broker. And within three years, I was financing $250,000 trucks, $1 million trucks. I was financing planes. I was financing $2 million worth of property. My biggest commission check in 1987 was $20,000 for one deal on $2 million worth of trucks. Where did that start? How did I discover it? At work. And then I got headhunted by some of the big companies I was representing. Why don't you come and work for us? Why? Because we see management on you. So I got headhunted 1987, got into management with Colonial, ended up looking after an office, 40, 50 staff. Where did all that start from? In work. My identity was discovered at work. I never knew I had it in me. All of that hidden. You're the same. Every one of us has hidden gifts and talents. 
He expects us to use them. Your personality, your gifts, your creativity, and your workplace is your stage. It's where I'm on stage. It's where I reveal my gifts, my talents, my character, my inner beauty, my personality. It's where I make a difference. And your workplace is a place where you get to give back. And God says, I want you to express your identity, Mark, your talents, your giftings, and your personality at your workplace. Joseph, he said to Joseph, I know you feel like you are in a prison right now. I know you're being unfairly blamed and wronged and mistreated. But son, release your gifts and your talents and your character. You're on stage. I'm watching you. God has wired all of us different. Some of you are very good at numbers. Some aren't. Some of you are very good at writing and composing. I thought of Jamie and Courtney at that. I wish I could write. I want to write a book. And I've been challenged by many pastors and people around the world. Some of the stuff I preach at pastors' conferences, are you going to put a book out? I said, I wish if I could write. I sat down and I said, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, I can't write. Some are not good at spelling. You say, spell MGM backwards. I don't know. Some are good with working with people. Some are good at caring with people. Some are super organizers, Ling Chan, and planners and management. Sharon Coleman, Izzy Coleman. Always tell Izzy, boy, the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you have been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts, so be used in the service of others, so use your gift well. We were made to make our lives count, and the biggest place you can make your life count is on stage at work. And people are the happiest when they're using their talents and their gifts and being appreciated for it. So number one, I work in order to live, which is necessity. Number two, I work in order to express my talents, which is my identity. The third one is I work in order to develop my character, ouch, making room for my maturity. Oh, Pastor Mark, go to number four. This is a big one. This is the money shot. God is not interested in my skills or my talents, but he is very interested in Mark's character. Am I reflecting Jesus? You see, God is more concerned about who you are than what you do. He's much more interested in your character than your career. Let's take a short quiz. Please don't put your hands up. Please don't put your hands up. Does anyone have a boss who drives you crazy? <laughs> Does anyone ever felt like, I never get appreciated for all the work I do, huh? Welcome, welcome, welcome to almost everyone's workplace. You're not alone. This is God's workbench. And God cannot work on you whilst you are asleep. He doesn't work too much on you any other place. At home, he works with you, bits and pieces with the family, different ones, loved ones. So his major option left is your workplace. And he does two things at your workplace. Write this down. Number one, he provides an opportunity to expose. Say expose. Expose what is inside of me. Anger, frustration, pride, 
lack of empathy, lack of patience. And when he exposes it, he wants to then encourage us on how to grow in those areas. How? By planting seeds and trusting him. Mark, would you plant some seeds of love today at your workplace? But no one loves me. I know. No one appreciates me. I know. But Mark, would you plant some seeds? If you want to see a loving environment, plant some seeds. Mark, would you plant some seeds of patience around your work? Well, everyone's not. I know. Mark, would you plant some seeds of joy? Go to work, Mark, today. Be joyful and spread joy. Plant seeds. What you want to see in your workplace, you must seed in your workplace. What I must see in my workplace, I must seed in my workplace. I am the seed carrier. I am the seed conveyor. I am the seed planter. I am the seed changer. I am the seed influencer. I plant seed in my workplace. And then God comes along and fertilizes these seeds in our workplace. Let me remind you, God is more interested in you than what you do. So don't think it's strange when you're finding yourself asking these questions. How come this is going on? Why is this such a tough place? Why are these people always picking on me? Why isn't my life happy in my workplace? The answer is character. God is at work. And the only thing you and I are going to take to heaven is us. You're only going to show up with you, and it's going to be a good you. Life is preparation for eternity, for heaven. You won't be taking your career. You won't be taking your trophies or your titles. You'll be taking you and your character. And God calls this work, these times of testing, a good work, bringing out the good in us. Will you be faithful to do the right thing when you don't feel like doing the right thing? Remember Joseph. God released into his heart a dream, a vision, incredible leadership. What happened straight after the dream? A season of preparation in prison, 40 years. Prison was his workplace, testing ground, proving ground, developing ground, the fertilizing of his character. And when the time was right, say was right, God pulled him out and planted him in the setting he was always destined to be. I love what a Psalm 105.19 says. Until the time came to fulfill his word. Or well, you've got to get this. Until the time came. What, what time? From the time God prophesied over him. Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord did one thing only. The Lord was testing his character. The Passion Translation says it this way. God's promise to Joseph purged his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. I just want to walk into my dream. Well, get ready to scream. Our journey between prophecy and proclamation and realization is a journey in a pathway of testing. 
I hope you get this in your spirit as much as I got it all those years ago because it will change the way you see your workplace. It will change the way that you are at your workplace. It will change the way you see your workmates. It will change the way you see everything because I am on stage. I'm on the platform before my God. I'm at work and He's testing me. And as soon as I pass, I'm promoted. So the three grumpiest ones become my challenge. I compliment them. I walk in and I say, Hannah, Hannah's been bugging me. She's been frustrating me. And I walk in one day and I say, Hannah, good morning. Yes, what do you want? I said, I just want to commend you. Why? Because you're such an incredible worker. You've made my job easier. Oh, have I? Yeah. Hannah, don't tell anyone, but I reckon you're one of the best workers around here. Wow. I walk away and they say, oh, Father, help me with my faith. And I walk into other places where they're the grumpiest and the frumpiest. And I say, Mark, put that. Hello, how you going? What am I doing? I'm planting seeds. I'm telling him, do a good job, Hannah. You're an amazing young girl. Go. Oh, she always talks about me. But you know, good. I'm on stage. He's testing me. He's trying me. And when I realized that God's workspace is my workplace, it brought a fresh understanding and I understood it. At times it was hard, but I knew my God was at work. And every time I said, God, get me out of here. Oh, you don't want to walk into your promise? Yeah. Well, stay there. Oh, dear Lord. God's promise to Joseph purged his character. Purged. What does that mean? It cleansed, washed out, flushed out, removed. These are all beautiful terms. It got rid of, it purified. God did all of this. Do you feel at times like your workplace is like a cleansing, purging place? Can I encourage you today? The most important and valuable thing you can bring home from your workplace is not your paycheck. It's you. You with fresh character, fresh maturity. It's who you are becoming. It's a new you, a growing you, a maturing you. Your job, this is, this is a statement of fact. Your job will change you. You've just got to determine how it changes you. It will change you. It'll change you either being better, better, up, down, but your job place will change you. And I made a choice years and years ago through tough times, through painful times, through shocking times, where times I got lambasted, I got spoken about, I got falsely maligned. I, I, we all go through it. We could go through the alphabet of A to Z. I've been there. I've been there. And I've been at home in my private place and getting before God crying out. But I understood one thing. God is still on the throne. He's watching over my life and he's at work in my life. And God wants me to go to work and plant seeds, seeds to change. How is your workplace right now? Can I encourage you? Remember why we work and more importantly, what is happening. Number one, I'm making room for necessity. Making room, number two, for my identity. Number three, I'm making room to develop my maturity. Number four, <clears throat> I work to be a good witness to others, making room for my credibility. 
This is another big one when it comes to my workplace. My credibility, my witness before others, making room for my credibility. And this has everything to do with what you do, your actions, more than your words. And this is what drew the attention of management towards Joseph. And this is what drew the attention of Boaz towards Ruth. We see Ruth, she's out there, she's lost her husband. She's lost a father-in-law. She's lost a sister-in-law. She's got nothing and she's sitting there. And all of a sudden, she's got just herself and she's with her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law is absolutely whinging. Naomi, she changed her name to Mara. And Mara sat by the side of the road and she complained about the people. She complained about her history. She complained about ever leaving. She complained about this. And Ruth is in this environment, but Ruth made a decision. I can listen to my mother-in-law's whinging or I can plant seeds. And so she said to her mother, I'm going out to work. I'm going to pick up some grain. I'm going to care. Watch what Boaz, the wealthy landowner, says. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Excuse me, young lady, my daughter. Stay right here with us when you gather grain. Change your position. Don't be out there on the fringe, but come in now with us. Acceptance. Don't go to other fields. This field is now your field. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. Provision. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. Protection. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. She says and fell at his feet. What in the world have I done to deserve this kindness? I'm just a foreigner. You don't know me. And listen to his words. Oh, yes, I do. I know everything about you. I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard all about you. I've heard how you left your father and your own mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Ruth, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you have been under observation. And I bring this point in here. Someone is always watching you. Number four, my workplace gives me an opportunity to reveal my credibility. Someone is always watching you, watching you how you speak on the phone, watching you how you treat the cleaner, Mr. King, watching you. Tell the person beside you, I'm watching you. They're watching you, especially when you are under pressure. Now, 
if you know me when all my planets are in alignment, I'm the most happiest, cheerful guy you could ever believe. But when my planets get out of alignment, when things go wrong and all that, I know you're going to find this very hard to believe. I know. But just go with me on this one. I really am not a nice guy. Oh, Pastor, and I know, I know, I know. Pastor Karen and a few of the crew have known me over the years. said, you've just changed some. I said, yeah. Is God working on your character? I said, no, I'm just too tired. I don't want to care anymore. But you're always being watched. Someone's always watching you. And he's watching us. So how do you respond to this one with credibility? Paul says in Thessalonians, aspire to lead a calm and peaceful life as you mind your own business and earn your living just as we've taught you. By doing this, you will live an honorable life, influencing others and commanding respect of even the unbelievers. They will even respect you. Yet as God's servants, the Passions translation says, we prove ourselves authentic in every way. We have great endurance in hardship and in persecution. We don't lose courage in a time of stress and calamity. Our workplace is his workspace, and people are watching us as we stay at our post. They're watching us. Are we alert? Are we unswerving in hard times, tough times, bad times? They're watching our character. Is it like the tide going up and going down, or is it consistent as we're planting seeds, planting seeds? And God wants us to validate his message through our workplace through my life. And you may be in a workplace where you cannot openly share your faith with people, at least not in words, but you can do it in the way you work with your character and the way you serve other people. They will ask questions. How can you be so patient and tolerant with all the stuff that's going on? I pray. How can you be so steady under stress? I pray. How can you be so loving and forgiving when they've done this? I pray. That's how we do it. Matthew 5 says, your light must shine. Thank you, Izzy. Your light must shine before people so they will see the good things. Say good things. <clears throat> good things. Turn on the light switch. Say good things. Turn on the light switch. Your light must shine before people so they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. Can I encourage you this morning as I bring this message to a close? You may work in a place today that is just the hardest you can imagine. There may be people there that have worked with you that complain and backbite and whinge. Do you think God's surprised by that? No, he's not surprised. God, how did I end up here? Well, salt is the preservative and light only shines in the darkness. The light always shines brightest in the darkest room and God wants us to be the light in the world. So I understand that my workplace is your workspace. Question, when was the last time someone asked you about your faith? 
Why did they ask you? Do they have a reason to be watching you? Would they know that I'm a Christian? Would they know I'm different by my actions and my speech? You see, the only Bible a lot of people are going to read is you. And in a very real sense, you are the living Bible to them. People will see your life. They will hear your words. They will see Jesus in you. They will see the character change in you. You're more gracious. You're more patient. You're more forgiving, more hopeful in a world that doesn't portray hope. And Colossians chapter 3 says, whatever you do or say, Mark, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. So let's do a quick recap. My workplace is His workspace. What happens? I work in order to live necessity. I work in order to express my talents, which is my identity. I work to develop my character, which is maturity. I work to be a good witness, which is my credibility. And number five, I work to be a blessing to others, making room for charity. I go to work and I work in order to be a blessing to others. Like you, we give funds away to others and bless others, to help others who have a little less than we do. I was talking with someone recently, they're just starting a business, so they rang me up and said, Pastor Mark, would you pray for us? We're about to start a business. We've never been in business before, it's scary. And I asked this question because they're not in their 20s, they're not in their 30s, they're later than that. Why are you going into business today with COVID and all of these things going on? And he broke down over the phone. And he said, we believe God's in it. But more than that, we want to start a business because we believe God wants us to be a blessing to so many organizations that require support. And one in particular he mentioned was Providence. And he said he can't help talk when he's sharing with his partner that when they start business, they want to be able to sow into young women and support young women. And he said, literally, I break down and every time I talk about this and just weep. But his motivation for working, especially in this area, is so that there can be acts of charity. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, we must work doing something useful with our own hands so that, say so that, so that we may have something to share with those in need. The Passion Translation says, be industrious, earning an honest living, and then you'll have enough to bless those in need. Why do I work? I pray that you're getting a deep appreciation for your workplace today. It's so I can make room for charity to be a blessing. To be a blessing. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Those who live to bless others will have blessings healed upon them heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability to create 
wealth. The Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, talking to the, the elders before he left them, I've been a constant example of how you can help the poor by working hard and remembering the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Just before Christmas, the month of November, we're going to have the whole month of November and it's going to be called, It's Not About Us, It's About Others. And just before Christmas, when we're focusing, and so often the world begins to focus on ourselves. What gifts I must be buying for my family. And what gift. But November is going to be our month that we're doing something for others. We're going to be going out, looking after the widows, reaching other people, reaching other organisations. And I want our church just before the month of December to be focused on giving out beyond ourselves in the community. That's going to be so good. Watch this space. The last one is, I work to build God's kingdom, making room for eternity. Did you know you can use your job to bring glory to God? You can use your career to bring glory to God. You can use your skills, your business, your workplace to further God's kingdom. Using your skills to assist others in need through missions, Cambodia. I was thinking and reflecting on mission trips, and I know some of you here, we've gone to mission trips to Cambodia and Lynn with her medical and working in those areas there. I can imagine James going on a mission trip and all of a sudden, that week that we get there, he's already pre-organized that all the mission vehicles are coming in and they're lined up. And that whole week that James is there and he's working with Patrick and other mechanics and he's lined up all the mission trucks and that whole week, they're doing a full refit of all the trucks and servicing them all and working practical skills and blessing them all, doing practical things. I work to, to, to attach myself to eternity, to eternal things. We have people here in nursing and I can see that working when they open up all the COVID. But I work to make room for eternity. Matthew 6.33 says, Be concerned above everything else with the Kingdom of God. More than my business, yes, even more than your business and what He requires of you and He will provide you with all other things. There's still over 3,400 tribes that have not heard of the word Jesus, Christian, no Bible, no church. We shared last night, and it was so good to have Pastor Belinda come up and she shared about young adults. And we said, young adults are so good, we can get here and have community, we can have fun. We can get here and have social events, that's good. But more than that, it's got to be Christ-centered. There's a reason why we're coming together as young adults. There's a reason why you're coming together as young adults. There's a mission field that people are waiting for you outside. There's young people in university. There's young people at work. And we have to remember that as we come together in such organisations, it's all about eternity. My workplace allows me to participate in the kingdom, eternity. Jesus said, Matthew 6.20, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. How do you do that? By using your work and using your business to get people there. The only way you can invest in heaven is to invest in people who are going there. Your business isn't going to heaven. Your car isn't going to heaven. Your house won't get to heaven. But people will. And when you invest in people, getting them into heaven, you are storing up treasures in heaven.
to use for eternity. So here's the question. What's your viewpoint been concerning work? Have you thought it's just about make money, put food on the table? It's far, far more significant than that. I pray that when you leave here today and you think about work, you'll think, Lord, it has everything to do with necessity. It has everything to do with my identity. It has everything to do with making and growing in maturity. It has everything to do that I operate with credibility. It has everything to do that I can release charity. And it has everything to do with I can partner with eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I realize today that while I'm at work, you're working on me. And Lord, I want you to use my job for all these six purposes in my life. Please use my job, Lord, to express what you made me to be. Use my career to develop my character. I want to use my job, Lord, as a platform to bring people to you to share the good news. I want to use, Lord, my job to be able to help others financially and to give to others. And I want to use my job, Lord, to help further your kingdom. And I want to use my job to prepare to serve your purposes in eternity. Lord, in short, I want to be a kingdom builder. So, Lord, help us. We will honour you with our lives, with our time, with our tithes and our talents. Knowing by giving my best, I'm working with you and for you. And Father, we pray for our appropriate workplaces right now, wherever you work. Would you begin just to pray for it and say, Holy Spirit, I thank you for where I'm working right now. It may be tough. It may be at times very testing. But Father, I thank you for my workplace. I pray for my workmates. I pray for my work colleagues. I pray right now that you, Lord, would cause me to be a seed planter in this work environment. You would take my life, use my life, cause my life to bring salt and light to that work environment. Lord, find me faithful. Please find me faithful with my words, my thought, and my speech, and my actions. May I be a great reflection of you. May I bring Jesus to work every day. May I reveal Jesus to you and to all my workplace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Pray that was a blessing to you today. Most of the messages I'm trying to do on a Sunday are tying in with this time next year. And I'm trying to take little sidetracks just off with your speech, with your words, with planting seeds, all the sermons I've preached, that will help you give better understanding that you can place and position yourself to work now before this time next year and see what God does. Let's close and stand as we sing this morning. Bring Jesus. Let's lift our voices. Saturate this house with the name of Jesus as we close. Whoa!
over this young man taught to be a drummer in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, God bless your life, family. Have a fantastic Sunday. And tell the person beside you, have a great week at work. <laughs>